Hi, Chris Valentin here. Welcome to my podcast, where I hope to inspire you to walk in your royal identity in Christ and experience God's goodness in every area of your life. I hope you enjoy this message today. And if you're looking for more resources, check out chrisvalentin.com. It's humbling to be here because there's awesome people in this room. There's powerful people in this room, and we just feel privileged and honored to uh, be sharing our little piece of the kingdom with you. Um, I want to just recognize my wife real quick. She's with me today, Regina, on the front row. She doesn't get to travel with me very often, and so it's such a joy to have her here with me. We have four kids. Um, The oldest is 31, and the youngest is 12. So people ask, was the last one a surprise? I said, no, the third one was a surprise. The fourth one was a shock. We, we cried for a month. And then we broke off everything. I was like, oh, we want you. Please come. And So we have three grandchildren as well. And So my daughter goes to a public school where her brother is one of the teachers. And my granddaughter starts preschool soon. So it's like, I don't know. It's getting weird. But it helps us think generationally. And then I just want to recognize our prophetic company from Vacaville. So all, all our folks from the prophetic company, the, the trainers and the coaches, and uh, if you guys would just all stand. all, Yeah. And these guys are amazing. And uh, I encourage you to, to catch them and find out, you know, the real story. That would be good. <laughs> I want to share with you today. Um, I, I truly believe this is not a hype thing. I truly believe that we're in the greatest prophetic movement in history. And that's because more people are prophesying in the earth right now than any time in history. And I see this as a fulfillment of God's dream. I love how when we delight ourselves in the Lord that he fulfills the desires of our heart. But I also believe that as we see that happening, we get more invested in his dream as well. And his dream is this. He said, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh so every son and daughter can prophesy. So prophecy is not just a fad. It's not just a trend that is popular in the church. It's part of the dream of God being fulfilled within the earth in this time. And we'll talk more about that this week. But obviously, I was quoting from Joel 2, 28 and 29 when that prophecy was made. And in Acts 2, 15 to 17, when it's fulfilled, um, And it's interesting, in the Acts 2 portion, it says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And that word is the Greek word eschaton, where we get our word eschatology. So no matter what your eschatology is, if it doesn't start with the outpouring of God's spirit on all flesh, you won't end in the right place. 
If you look for signs in the earth before you look for signs in the believer, you're going to end up at the wrong place. Because the first signs are in the believer. And that sign is his spirit being poured out on all flesh so every son and daughter could prophesy. And prophecy is not just the tool of blessing, it's the tool of destiny. It's the ability. Nothing gives you more dignity than to know you can hear the voice of God. The ultimate justice, you know, there's a lot said about social justice right now, but the ultimate justice is the restoration of dignity. And nothing gives you more dignity than to know you can hear the voice of God for yourself. So it's attached to social justice within the earth. When you teach someone to recognize how they hear the voice of God, you dignify that individual with a dignity that can never be stolen away. And you've released justice in the earth. So there's something about this prophetic movement right now that is just swallowing up, swallowing me up with with a sense of being propelled forward in the love of God. And, And I think there's an incredible opportunity in front of us right now. And there's four transitions I see happening in the prophetic movement that I want to speak to a little bit this morning. Uh. And the first one is this. It's the transition from demonstrators to equippers. Now, it doesn't mean that we'll quit demonstrating. We always need people to demonstrate a higher level of what's possible. So please understand that we're not leaving behind the demonstration of higher levels of what is available to us and what is possible to us. We always need that. But the emphasis in times past, and not by the persons themselves, but often by the church, is to lift up those individuals that had a high level of prophetic gifting in a way that separated us. So that we only had prophecy when the prophets came to town. So in the church, prophecy would be there when prophets came to town. They would call a few people out and, and, and do these amazing things. And we would all, you know, ooh and ah and wonder at what was going on. And that was awesome. I loved those days. You know, some people would wear red and some people would hide. Because back then, prophecies weren't always a good thing either. You, you didn't know what you were going to get. And... uh But the thing is, when the prophets left, prophecy left. And and, and so there was something, uh, there was something about that that doesn't really match the scriptural call of the office of a prophet. A lot of people ask me, what do prophets do? That's a great question. You know, some people are kind of realizing, yeah, maybe I do have this prophetic office. Well, There's a thousand expressions of what prophets do. But there's one instruction in Scripture. There's a thousand demonstrations of what a prophet can do, but there's one instruction. And it's in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God 
and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's one instruction for the office of prophet. There's thousands of demonstrations in Scripture, but one instruction. And that is instruction is to equip the saints. And there's a transition in this prophetic movement right now from just demonstration to equipping. And it, and it has to do with what Chris was talking about a moment ago. Prophets are no longer, you know, trying to protect their exclusivity. Not that, you know, there were many, many great prophets that went before that did not do that. But there were some that were competing with one another and kind of protecting their position. And, and that's so opposite of what God is doing. God's dream is to pour out his spirit on all flesh so every son and daughter can prophesy. It, of course, doesn't mean we're all prophets. As a matter of fact, when you really understand this passage, you understand that God's goal is not to make prophets out of everyone, but that apostolic grace, prophetic grace, pastoral grace, evangelistic grace, and teaching grace would be upon every son and daughter. So honestly, there's something about being called to the specialty of prophecy that even in some ways feels less than the average believer. Because the average believer gets to focus on receiving and operating in all five graces. Whereas we're specializing in one to make sure that that grace is in the earth. You know what I'm saying? So what happens is when we think in, as prophets, only as demonstrators, we tend to build pyramids instead of platforms. We, we tend to put somebody at the top and then somebody underneath and, and all those kind of things. And, 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 you, and so then we build these structures that are always top down. And listen, there always has to be a line of government. There always has to be a line of authority. And, and, and that's important. But oftentimes we build these structures where everybody is under and then we preach surpass me. It's incongruent to say that I want you to surpass me, but you must stay under me. And then we wonder why we don't see more in the generation following than we saw in our own. Where is this increase of his kingdom? Where is this increase of his government? Well, it happens when we understand that apostles and prophets are the foundation, not the capstone. When we understand that they're the platform we build on, not the top of the pyramid. Because pyramids are just the tombs of the kings who built them. I'm trying. Ephesians 2, 19 to 21. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles, plural, and prophets, plural, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises together. To become a holy temple in the Lord. 
See, understanding that we're joined together helps us understand that we can only rise together. If we understand that we're joined together, we'll understand how to rise together. Where we're not just a prophetic entity, we're a prophetic movement. Where we're not just a powerful prophetic gift, we're actually shaping and forming culture. But it happens when people really move into this transition where they understand that there's a foundation that God is building. If you want to be on top, that could be a problem because God's building a foundation. You know, for years, like in the 80s, we were always asking, who are you under? Who are you under? Who are you submitted to? And, and you know, it's important. There, again, there has to be accountability. There has to be lines of authority. I'm, I'm not into anarchy here. But scripturally, it'd probably be more appropriate to say, who are you building on? Who are you building on? And you know what I love? The top of the pyramid is singular, but the foundation is plural. There's a plurality of people pouring into my life. There's a plurality of apostles and prophets that have influenced my journey. And if they are my foundation and not my capstone, then I'm able to take the treasures of who they are and add it to my life. See, I used to think that honoring the prophet that trained me originally that honoring him was to say, wow, he's so awesome, I could never be like that. Because he did do some incredible things. I remember one time him running around the room in Rotherham, England, and grabbing people's hands in wheelchairs and yanking them out, and they would start running behind him. And he did that with 12 people. And, you know, so you're kind of like, all right. Setting the bar kind of high here. Now it's your turn. (laughs) Then I realized that to honor those that have poured into my life, the goal is to do what they do and to do what I'm called to do. You know, I'm so just practical that I think the double portion anointing is just hanging out with someone Until everything that's on their life gets on your life. But not forsaking your own gifts and calling. And their anointing plus my anointing equals the double portion anointing. And I believe this is how we see generational revival released within the earth. This is how we go from glory to glory with ever increasing glory. This is how we see the increase of his government and his kingdom that has no end is when we realize that God is building a foundation of apostles and prophets. And when we come together as a prophetic community and are willing to be the bottom, willing to be the base that something is built on top of, I think there's something to that because if we're joined together, we can rise together. And I want to qualify this statement. Tammy, one of our trainers here, helped me with this statement because I I was probably saying it wrong in a way that wasn't honoring to the pioneers of the past. 
Because there were a lot of pioneers in the past who stood alone because no one else was going that way. And there might be some of those in this room as well. Um, But there are also people that chose to be alone. And, you know, we found that the Lone Ranger becomes the weird stranger. Especially when it comes to prophets. That we actually need each other to be healthy. We need communities to be healthy. And so I see this transition happening. The first transition is from demonstrator to equipper. It's not that we quit demonstrating. We have to keep setting the bar, but we have to see ourselves as part of the foundation that God is building for the church and not the capstone. We have to be willing to take that position, and that position is a place of plurality, and that is a position that allows people to build on top of us, not just underneath us. And I think it's a huge transition. And I think it's one that people have missed in the past. And I think there's an opportunity in front of us right now to be the generation that gets it. A few months ago, we did a, we did a uh, Parenting the Prophetic conference at our church. Chris was a part of it. Uh, Sean Bowles was a part of it. And we were teaching parents how to recognize the prophetic graces and gifts in their children and how to cultivate that. And it had really poor attendance for what I was expecting. Um, what parent wouldn't want to call the prophetic destiny out of their child? I'm like, what is this about? But I was in France two weeks before, and, uh, and we had an off day that we didn't expect. And our host took us to a place where the Huguenot revival started. And, um, and if you don't know this, there was, in the 1680s, there were 2,000 children prophets. The Spirit of God was poured out upon these prophets. And one of, it began with a child who was nine months old, standing up in their crib and preaching in perfect French that didn't even speak yet, and began to speak of, of what was happening and what was coming. And, and all these children were 2,000 prophets uh, under the age of 19. And there's, I, I remember reading the book. There's, there was a book about it. I remember reading that book when I was 17 years old. And it, and it planted something in my spirit. And to be unexpectedly standing on that soil where that happened, two weeks before we were doing a Parenting the Prophetic Conference, I, I said, I don't care who comes now. Because I know we're doing the right thing. I know that God wants to raise up children prophets again in the earth. And, and if, if we're not taking a place of foundation, we're going to miss it. We're just going to miss it. We're not going to be able to receive it. So these are transitions that are something you have to embrace. There's something you have to take a hold of. I feel like, you know, the, the, the Israelites came to that prophetic moment where they could cross the promised land. They could cross into the promised land through the Jordan by faith, or they could miss it, and it would go around for another generation. 
And I feel like some of these things have been going around for generations. I don't know that we've seen that kind of visitation upon a generation of children in 400 years. I don't want to miss that. I don't want to miss that. But it's going to take a different paradigm. It's going to take a different way of seeing. It's going to take a different way of thinking. Repentance is not saying, I'm sorry. Repentance is changing your mind about something. It's about getting a new mindset that allows the kingdom to come through in a different way, in a different expression. And guys, I believe we're gathered for purposes like this. We're gathered to embrace these transitions. We're not just training you to hear better, see better, feel more, all those kind of things. We're not training in the gift of prophecy. We're training in the gift of profit. And I think there's this huge whiteboard in front of us in this generation that is saying, what do you want profit to look like in this generation and the generations to come? And I think we're invited into this opportunity if we can see the transitions that God has for us. And so this first one is just from only demonstrator to equipper. That seeing that this equipping of the saints, that this pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh is God's dream. And that that's part of our assignment in the kingdom of God. The second transition that I see, and Chris Vallotton has been an absolute champion of this in the earth when it comes to the prophetic, is from the old covenant judgment-based prophecy to new covenant reconciliation-based prophecy. It's moving out of the old covenant-based where we would use our prophetic gifts to expose sin and to pronounce judgments. Now, I have to share some things with you here, and I'm not going to use any names, and you wouldn't know because I'm not, uh, I don't think you'll be able to track this. But you'll be able to track with this. Thank you, Chris. These are prophetic people. They already know what I'm going to say. But let me speak it for confirmation then. So. My my prophetic journey has been really, really interesting because I was raised Presbyterian and I'm from a line of 400 years of Presbyterian ministers. And uh, when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, they invited me to leave. And I accepted And that's not an anti-Presbyterian statement because I'm so thankful for my heritage. But the particular church that I was in was not embracing the things of the spirit. And and so they honestly, they fairly nicely just wrote me a letter of non-membership while I was still attending. (laughs) And my parents were on the board. And I was living at home. Because I was a teenager. My grandfather, who was a Presbyterian minister, uh, spoke six languages. He could read and write in Greek and Latin, uh, in Hebrew, and, uh, and, and a mighty man and did some great things in the earth. But he had turned to more of a liberal view than an evangelical view. And this was at the tail end of the Jesus movement. And I was red hot on fire for the message of salvation. That's all I knew. 
And, um, and my grandfather, our last conversation on the earth together was him looking me in the eyes and saying, if I believe what you believe is true, then I have to say my whole life was a waste. And I'm not prepared to do that. I wasn't smart enough or trained enough to speak reconciliation in that moment and to treasure and value all that he was to the kingdom of God uh, because my zeal surpassed my knowledge by quite, quite a bit. Um, but then I was, you know, brought into some kind of charismatic slash Pentecostal circles. And the training was not like training today. As a matter of fact, um, there was an old prophet that I would go on the streets with sometimes. And he would prophesy people's sins and judgments over them. And he had actually been the catalyst, one of the catalysts for the Jesus movement. He was on a campus and um, the Lord told him to go to a certain place on a certain day and preach on that spot. And when he got there, there was a communist guy standing there, you know, speaking his doctrines. And uh, he said, excuse me, sir, you're going to have to move. And he said, what are you talking about? He said, well, God told me to come and preach on this spot at this exact time. And uh, he said, well, I don't, I don't believe in your God, and, and I'm not moving. He said, no, you don't understand, sir. God told me that I'm to speak here. Well, people are gathering around because they're kind of hearing this argument. And the guy goes, well, I don't believe in your God and I'm not moving. He goes, no, you don't understand. You're going to move or you're going to die. And he goes, well, I'm not moving. And he said, well, die then. And he dropped over dead. So there was a policeman there, campus policeman, who is now a preacher of the gospel because that happened. And it caused quite a stir on the campus there. So this was one of the guys that trained me. Do not make me mad. No, I'm teasing. Yeah. So we would stand on college campuses and he would he was blind. He'd been blinded three times, healed twice, waiting for his next healing. He had three quarters of the Bible memorized. He could, he could speak any verse backward or forward. You could call out a verse and he could recite it from the first word to the end or the last word to the end, backward or forward. Amazing guy. But he was, he was this old blind guy and he'd, he'd hold it on my arm while he was preaching. And he would call people everything but saint. And I saw the murder in their eyes. And I'd be like, uh, brother. Um, and I remember somebody calling out. How do you know what we're like? Because you can't even see. Tears began to stream down his eyes. And he said, I wish you could see what I could see. It was beautiful. It was powerful. It was scary. He'd been blinded three times by crowds hitting him with bricks and rocks and things like that. 
his wife was in a mental institution from being hit by a brick and damaging her brain. And I remember one time we were standing in the sanctuary and he's holding on to my arm and he's like, Dano, how big is this room? And I began to tell him the dimensions of the room. And he said, if you took everybody that I said die and they died and stacked them up, this room would not hold them. Yeah, isn't that encouraging? I had another mentor. Who, when he was sharing the gospel, he would say, you, you know, you might, if, if you don't receive Christ today, you might leave this room today. And as you're pulling out of the parking lot, you're hit by a car and, and it's all over. And, and it would happen that day. And it happened multiple times. So then we'd have these prophets come in that would expose people's sins and speak judgments. And all I knew is that what they were doing worked You understand what I'm saying? Like what they were doing obviously had some fruit and it worked. Their whole thing was scaring the hell out of people. Um, And and that's kind of the way that I was trained. And that's that's some of what I was raised in. And um, so when it came to understanding the difference between Old Testament and prophecy and New Testament prophecy, there was some confusion for me because I spent a couple decades with these guys having amazing signs and wonders happening and people repenting and all this stuff, but always knowing that something about it didn't feel like the love of God. It didn't feel like the heart of God. No, come on. You can laugh. It is funny. I just, I don't know. I feel like sometimes we talk about these stuff and we only talk about it like it's all bad. And the heart of it, the spirit of it is is wrong and weird. But some of you were raised up in this kind of thing where you're saying, man, I saw real things happen that I haven't really seen paralleled in new covenant settings, and and it causes me to question some of the validity of what we're saying. So here's where I want to go today with this. There's a transition right now from Old Testament style prophecy to New Testament value prophecy, from judgment and sin to reconciliation and restoration. And I am so thankful for Chris Vallotton, who's been a champion of that. There have been times where Chris has stood alone in groups of prophets to say, no, I I believe this, you know, I stand for this new covenant. I stand for this new thing. And this is where I want to go with it. There's so many opinions about it, but let's let's not deal with your way or my way. Let's deal with Yahweh for a minute. Because what we're really talking about is not a style of prophecy. What we're talking about is the glories of the cross. What we're talking about is what was the cross all about in terms of prophecy. And and I just want to say this. That as son of man, 
Christ fulfilled all the requirements of the law. The scripture said that Jesus didn't come to abolish the old, but to fulfill it. In what way did he fill it? Fulfill it. As son of man, he fulfilled all the requirements of the law. Everything. He fulfilled it all. So he actually fulfilled that covenant. But as son of God, it was always his desire to establish a new covenant. But the restrictions of a covenant are this. That one of the members of the covenant has to die to establish a new one. So there were two choices. Either all of mankind had to die so he could establish a new covenant or God had to die because the covenant was between God and man. And so what happened is in the brilliance, the genius of God, God said, as son of man, I will fulfill the old and as son of God, I will die to establish the new. So God died so he could write a new covenant. So he could set us free from the limitations of the old covenant and establish a new one. And that covenant is between God, the father and the son so that you can't mess it up. And then he invites us into the covenant that he has with the father. So when we go back to the old and pull it into the new. Can you do it? Yes, you can do it. When, when the sons of thunder said, do you want us to call down fire on this city? Call down judgment on this city. Jesus didn't say they couldn't do it. He didn't say that's not within your power or not within your authority. He said, you don't know what spirit you're of. Chris says it this way. You'll have to go to a different spirit to get that. So. For me, this transition was a big deal. And what, what made it inarguable for me, what put the stake in the ground is that everything must point to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything. I will glory in nothing but the cross of Christ, whereby I'm crucified to the world and the world is crucified to me. And when we cross the bloodline of Jesus Christ to bring something of the old covenant into the new covenant, we're trampling on the blood of Christ. We're making ourselves an enemy of the cross to do it. We're sewing back up the veil within the temple. So can it work? Yeah, it can work. It can work. I've seen it work. I've seen those things happen. But what brings glory to Christ? What brings glory to Christ? So many prophets are validated by their prophecies coming true. That was Jonah's problem as well. He's like, hey, I prophesied the destruction of the city and they repented. And now you're not going to destroy it. And I'm, I look bad. And we have the same thing today when prophets on the Internet are prophesying Tsunamis and earthquakes and fires. And when they're associating it with the judgment of God and they're feeling validation from their prophecy coming true, when lives are being lost, 
and things within the earth are being destroyed. And what I'm saying is, can that be true? It can be true, but you have to cross the bloodline to do it. You have to make the cross of no effect to do it. You have to make yourself an enemy of the cross to do it. You have to sew up the veil in the temple, which is his flesh, his body broken for you. You have to sew it up to do it. And I'm not prepared to do that. May I glory in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. May I glory in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. Listen, when we really understand the extent to which God went to establish a new covenant, when we understand the the riches of his grace in Christ Jesus as the son of man to fulfill the old, as the son of God to establish the new, how can we cross over that line again? How can we cross over that line? You know, people often ask, well, didn't Jesus pronounce a lot of judgments over Jerusalem and over the hypocrites and over the yes, but all things are being summed up in the person of Jesus Christ. And he was summing up the judgment that would be upon those who refused the new and stayed in the old. If you want to stay in the old, then you come under the limitations and the judgment and the consequences of the old. And so the prophecies were associated with their rejection, not of God himself, but of the new covenant that was being established. And so they chose to be under an old covenant. Now, some would say, well, the same is true when a city has rejected God. We can pronounce judgment over it because they've rejected God. They haven't rejected his covenant because they don't know of his covenants. Because they are not the people of his covenant. They are not the people that were assigned to carry his covenant within the earth. These were the priests. These were the leaders that had studied the old covenant for years and years and years, rejecting the new covenant and choosing to stay under the old, even in the midst of signs and wonders and miracles that displayed Christ's divinity and the authenticity of the new covenant. So those judgments that we see coming from Jesus over cities and over people are not a model of new covenant prophecy. They are what the finality of old covenant prophecy looked like for those that would stay under an old covenant. But it does not apply to a pre-Christian person, city, or place today. We've got to understand that one of the transitions that's necessary in this hour is a full transition, a complete transition into prophets of a new and better covenant. Prophets of a new and better covenant. There was a time where we... In the church, we were asking the question, how close can we get to the world without falling in? How close can we get? What's the line of sin? It's the wrong question. The tribe that we're running with right now is how much of the Christ life can we have on the earth? How much of the resurrected Christ, the ascended lifestyle, can we have on the earth right now with, without going Enoch? 
you get in these glory realms where you are so transfigured, where you are so transformed that you just phase out of this reality into another reality. It's like, no, that's our, we're not even going that way. Our focus is not to create a greater sin consciousness within the earth. Our focus is to create a greater God consciousness within the earth. Our goal is not to point out what's wrong with the earth. It's to fix what's wrong in the earth. Through the answer of the Lord Jesus Christ and the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that have been hidden for such a time as this. So we're looking for prophets that are firmly established in the new covenant prophetic purpose and protocol. First Corinthians 14, three, obviously, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, their encouraging and their comfort. And it's like, that sounds like just a warm and fuzzy club. Just speak nice things. Just be nice. Just speak good things. Yeah, that's not exactly it. Encouragement, comfort and strength. What is the focus of that? You know, 11 times in the Old Testament, there is a statement that includes at least two of these three elements and often includes all three. And it is this, before the people were to take the land, before a king was to take his throne, before, uh, before an enemy was to be conquered, God would say three things. He'd say, be strong and be of good courage for the Lord your God is with you. So they had to find three things in God, strength, encouragement, and comfort to take a hold of an earth-shaking destiny. Listen, New Testament prophecy is not a bless me club. It is an impartation of courage, strength, and comfort to take a hold of earth-shaking destinies. What they had to generate and find in the old covenant is imparted through the grace of new covenant prophecy. So that people have the courage and the strength and the comfort to transform the world with kingdom realities. So it's not just a bless me club. It's not just saying a bunch of nice things. It's releasing the grace that transforms the earth. Second Corinthians 5, 17 to 19, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. So our ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. Our ministry is a ministry of of restoration. These are the glories of the new covenant. And I'm saying, can we explore the glories of the new covenant? Can we see how much of the ascended lifestyle we can have on this earth? How much of the Christ life can we take a hold of and manifest and release within the earth? And if we're going to see the riches of his glory in this realm, we've got to be fully committed to a new covenant pattern, not bring some of the old over but be fully committed to the new covenant, which God went to such great lengths to establish on our behalf. Come on, get rid of all the old yeast. All the old yeast, because a little bit of yeast infects the whole loaf. Remember, because we're joined together, we rise together. Because we're joined together, we rise together. We're looking for a prophetic company 
of new covenant prophets who want to explore the glories of the new covenant and bring nothing of the old because the old was fulfilled in the son of man and the new was established through the son of God. He was both God and man for the purpose of a greater covenant. The spirit of Elijah even turns the hearts of fathers to sons. The disobedient to wisdom, that sounds like the ministry of reconciliation to me. There's a restoration, a reconciliation that comes from a true understanding of new covenant realities and really understanding our assignment in the prophetic and in the new covenant. Let's move on. The third transition that I see is from consumer to contributor. All right, prophetic communities that are there not just to consume the prophetic grace, but to contribute to the prophetic grace. Colossians chapter 2, verse 2 to 3, it says, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart, united in love, so they can have the full riches of complete understanding, that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I believe God's dream for the prophetic was not just to give us words to bless one another, but to affirm our access to the heart and mind of Christ. And now we can use this access to find treasures of wisdom and knowledge to release and manifest the kingdom of God around us. And that's why the current move is so centered in prophetic innovation. Do you understand that? The current move is about prophetic innovation. The current move is about accessing the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that have been hidden in Christ, not hidden from us, but hidden for us for such a time as this. We have a guy in our church who uh, is a cancer researcher, and uh, he last year was given the first FDA cures for three types of cancer. There are treatments, but he's been given the FDA approval for the first types of cures for cancer, and he received it by a prophetic revelation. He began to color code cancer cells and identify different cancer cells and how they respond, and he understood that you have to treat every cancer differently. You can't prescribe the same thing for each type, and he found this solution for certain types of cancer cells through prophetic revelation. I'm telling you, we're in a season where God is not just want, wanting to release sermons and signs. He's wanting to release solutions through prophets. Solutions through prophets. There's a Solomon wisdom and a Daniel type wisdom that's being released in the prophetic right now. To access the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that have been hidden in the person of Jesus Christ. And if we'll understand that it's about prophetic innovation. If we'll understand that. These messages of divine union, these messages of grace, these messages of the kingdom of God that are all converging upon the church. Each of them have been evident in the church at different times, but there is a convergence of truth right now that is bringing us to a divine union with Christ so that we could access the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that have been hidden in Christ for a generation who would get it. I want to be that generation. I want to be that generation. We're not just here to, to rehearse what we've already seen and heard. We're here to access what eye has not seen, what ear has not heard. 
was not even entered the imagination of mankind that God prepared for us in advance and now is being revealed by his spirit. It's about prophetic innovation. It's about moving from a consumer mentality of the prophetic to a contributor mentality of the prophetic, that everyone is bringing something. That because 1 Corinthians 13 says we know in part and we prophesy in part, we have to understand we've been existing with partial knowledge and partial revelation because we haven't come together as a community. But where prophetic communities are birthed, we have more parts of knowledge, more parts of the prophetic. Because we all, no matter how much you know, no matter how much you see, no matter how much you encounter, you have a part. And God limited you to that part because he always wanted you to be a body. He always wanted you to be a community. And whenever you treat one piece as if it's the whole puzzle, you're subject to deception. And so God is building prophetic communities within the earth so that the parts can come together, so that the pieces of knowledge, the pieces of wisdom, the pieces of revelation can come together and form a complete picture, a complete puzzle. Because the treasures of wisdom and knowledge have not been hidden from us, but hidden for us. But we have to understand that we're joined together before we rise together. We have to get away from just a consumer mentality. Oh, let's, let's, let's get a word from the prophet. You know, honestly, anybody who does a little bit of this, you do get tired of the line of 100, 200, 300 people standing in front of you wanting a word. It's like, do you not even hear the message that I'm sharing? That what's in me is on you too? That you can have greater than I have? That you can have more than what I have? Why are you standing in front of me? I'm happy to serve you. I'm happy to give you a word. But can't you hear the message? You're not here as a consumer. You're here as a contributor. You're here because God has qualified every person on the planet to hear his voice. To know his thoughts, to see what God sees, to feel what God feels by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit. And all this was made possible through the new covenant, the cross of Jesus Christ. All this is brought back to the glory and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it will understand the opportunity that we stand in right now in history to turn the corner in the prophetic. Step fully into new covenant. To step fully into out of consumer mode and into contributor mode where each person brings their part. Where people start innovating in the prophetic. Where we use these messages of divine union and the grace of God and the kingdom of God to access the treasures of wisdom and knowledge that have been hidden for us in the person of Christ. God prepared these things in advance for a generation such as this. And I feel like we're standing on the brink, looking into it, but not fully accessing it. Why? Because we have to be joined together to rise together. There's pockets of those that have pioneered and crossed over and are bringing back the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But God has it for a whole people. The scripture says that God's thoughts towards us are as many as the sands of the seashore. Somebody did the math to figure out how many grains of sand there are 
in the earth. And it's in the quintillions. And if you take that, if you take that number and you divide it by roughly how many people are on the planet, it means that there are 1.5 billion ideas available to every human being on the planet right now. If God's thoughts towards us, if that's not just a metaphor, if he's really saying my thoughts towards you are as many as the sands of the seashore, and you do the math of how many sand there is and how many people there are, and you just divide that up, you have a lifetime worth of innovation to pioneer in your generation, in your sphere, in your field. Why did God pour out his spirit upon all flesh? Because he has quadrillions of thoughts that he wants to release within the earth that have been hidden in the person of Christ. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what has never entered the thoughts of man, God is revealing now through his spirit. See, we have been limiting ourselves to only what we've known and what we've seen. When our call is to show what has never been seen, what has never been heard, not something anti-biblical or extra-biblical, but, but something that is centered in this person of Jesus Christ, the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Because, see, there's a lot of truth in the earth that doesn't function as a treasure. Do you know that? There's a lot of things that are true in other religions, in other communities, in other cultures, all those kind of things, and there is actually truth there. But the thing is, a truth doesn't function as a treasure until it's centered in the person of Jesus Christ. Because the ultimate truth is the person of truth, Jesus. And so we get the opportunity to take those truths and to reconcile them back to their place and their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And establish these things that eyes not seen and ears not heard. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. And I love that word various because it really is like the word manifold. It means multicolored or of all sorts. God is saying that each of us has received a grace to serve somebody else. Come on. I, I feel like Right now, there's this beautiful movement, and I'll talk about it in my workshop today, but there's this beautiful movement where people are having all these heavenly encounters, and they're, and they're slipping into heavenly realms, and they're seen through the veil, and, and I love that, and I want more of it. I want to be clear. I want to go on record for that, but remember what our assignment is. Our assignment is not how often can you go to heaven. The assignment is bringing heaven to earth. And if you slip through the veil and don't think, bring things back that transform, then you're missing the whole point of the mission. Because everything God has given us is to serve. Whatever gift you have received, serve others with that gift. And manifest as stewards of God's grace, manifest the grace in all of its multicolored various forms. And we are in a kingdom revelation right now where the church is not just focused on the church, but it actually understands the mission of seeking first the kingdom of God, which allows grace to be manifested in various forms. And if we could only step into this transition, what would we see? Come on, what would we see together? The fourth transition I see is from raising up prophetic celebrities to raising up prophetic communities. 
I don't want to just train people to be great prophets. I don't want to just train people to have great gifts. I want to train people to live in community. To know that we need each other, to value one another, to honor one another. We're only going to rise together if we're truly joined together. And so we're not building prophetic celebrities to just demonstrate what can be done. We're not against prophetic celebrities. God will always have champions. God will always have leaders. God will always have demonstrators. Thank God for that. But our call is to build the communities. Our call is to reestablish in the earth the company of the prophets, the community of the prophets, and the culture of the prophetic in all of its various forms. God has done a lot to make our dreams come true. But I want to be part of fulfilling his dream. And his dream, you know, the purpose of the cross was not to forgive sin. Christ died for me, forgives me from sin. That gets me into the kingdom of God. Christ died as me, frees me from the power of sin. Christ in me, me identifying with the resurrection, the ascension, the glorification of Christ. What does that do? That fills me with the fullness of God. See, God forgave you so he could free you, so he could fill you. Don't stop at forgiveness. Press on into freedom and fullness because the purpose of God was always, I want what is in me in you. In the last days, in the eschaton, the, the, the essential, the foundational eschatology is I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. What is in me will be upon them. And their mission is to make it on earth as it is in heaven, to demonstrate the heavenly realities on earth. And so I believe right now that we have this wonderful opportunity. You know, I was a reluctant, I was a reluctant prophet, I guess. I was called. I didn't want to be called a prophet. I didn't necessarily want to do the work of a prophet. I didn't believe I was a prophet for the first three years that I spoke in School of the Prophets here. It's true. I told the story in my book that we gave you about prophetic company. I, I honestly did not believe that. And I actually think the mission that I now have in the earth is because others passed it by. I think what I'm doing right now, there were other people called to do that didn't pick it up. And so I picked it up and I'm running with it. And this is what I believe I'm called to do. And it might sound arrogant for a moment. I believe I'm supposed to change what the prophetic looks like in the earth. I believe I'm supposed to change in this generation. I, I believe I'm supposed to rewrite the DNA of the prophetic. I believe that Chris was a forerunner to get us into the new covenant. There's others, but he is certainly among the fathers that foreran it. But guys, that's just the foundation. What are we going to build on top of it? And this is the thing. I believe I'm called to rewrite what the prophetic looks like in this generation, that what we can pass on is greater than what we receive. But I, I don't just believe it's my mission. I believe it's our mission. 
I believe if we'll join together, we can rise together and release God's dream in the earth like something we've never seen before. So what do we need to do? Move from demonstrator to equipper. It's not about you. It's about them. Build a foundation, not a pyramid. Link with other great trainers and great prophetic gifts and apostles and prophets and teachers. And because a prophetic community is not just a bunch of prophets, it's all the community that makes the prophets healthy. It's a prophetic community where everybody sees and hears. We need to transition fully out of Old Covenant. Fully out and fully in to the new covenant realities of reconciliation and restoration. We need to train people from a consumer mentality of the prophetic to a contributor mentality. You have a peace. You have a peace. No matter how much I see, you see something I don't see. No matter how much I know, you know something I don't know. And if we could join together, we could rise together. And so we've got to see ourselves as prophetic contributors, not just prophetic consumers. And finally, we've got to raise up prophetic communities, not just prophetic celebrities. We're not here to create stars. Although some of you are already that and some of you will become that. But like Chris shared last night, when you get it, you probably won't even want it. You'll just be the steward of it. But I'll tell you what, one of the greatest joys of my life have been walking together with my prophetic community. It's been fantastic not doing this alone. It's been fantastic leaning upon other prophets, other voices, other trainers, other gifts, who many times are more gifted in the prophetic than I am. I just have the honor of sounding the charge, kind of joining them together. And guys, I think what Chris said, I feel too. I feel like there's something here this year. There's something in the timing of God. There's something in our corporate understanding. I feel like many of the things that we used to have to train on all week long, you guys already know. And so what are we doing here? I don't want to just affirm a bunch of things you already know. But I want to cast a vision before us that God has a dream that has really not been met in any other generation, not fully realized in any other generation. And if you'll look throughout the earth, more people are prophesying on the earth than any time in history. But who's going to lead them? Who's going to train them? Who's going to equip them? Who's not going to exploit that? Who's not going to abuse that? Who's not going to press that down? And even what is all that for? That's what I'm here for. And I want to invite you into this destiny. Let's together rewrite what the prophetic looks like in our generation and pass on something to the next generation that is even more. And it's because of the richest richness of what's gone before us and that we treasure all those that have gone before us. So let's stand together. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes, go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.